Very warm greetings in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now let us continue in the study of the Beatitudes. Before we go further, let us all turn to God in prayer. Let us pray. Almighty, eternal God, we thank you for a safe journey to thy house and for this amazing privilege to be found before the throne of grace, to be found in the house of prayer, to be found in thy presence tonight. And Father, we come first and foremost asking again for the fresh cleansing and washing of all our sins. Lord, cover us in the blood of our Saviour. We pray that this night of gathering, Lord, we receive your blessings from above in the understanding of your word, in the, in the transformation of our hearts and our minds, and in the place of prayer that you would hear us and do mighty works for thy kingdom. And Father, we come asking that you remove all distraction or wandering thoughts of the day. And we pray that from the, most, the youngest to the most elderly, Lord, we would be able to focus and learn and, Lord, truly search our own hearts if our lives are according to your word. So be with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we've studied the last time about that we should grieve beyond our own sins. When we say that blessed are they that mourn, now, it is not just mourning over our own sins. And I hope you remember the reason why the Christian would mourn over, would mourn over his own sins. Maybe I should ask you, why, why should we mourn over our own sins? Is it just about well, mourning over our own sins and then um, repenting of our sins? Anyone remember? Thomas is always in my line of sight. Right, Thomas, why? Why, why, do, why should we mourn? believers and unbelievers also for their sins. So why start with mourning over our own sins? Why? Shane. Sins affect our fellowship with God. All right? No, some Christians feel that, well, I don't want to really think about my sins. Well, if I sin, I sin, then it doesn't bother others. It's my own sins. Let God deal with me. Um, why should I bother about mourning over my own sins? I, I just, you know, just accept that God will chastise me. I just want to enjoy my sins. Why? Vincent, do you remember? Say again. Very good. It affects our usefulness to God. The Christian must have a far bigger picture about why. It is blessed to mourn for our sins. Because when we mourn, we will be comforted. Comforted means God will come alongside us. God will speak to us. God will guide us. Not just encourage us, but He will encourage us with how to turn back to Him, how to live for Him. All right? So it is blessed to mourn, not simply because we get our sins forgiven. Please remember that. If it is just simply to get our sins forgiven, if it is, then it's just about us that is the reason why many Christians don't really bother. All right, so what? I, I'm a nominal Christian. I'm a backslided Christian. So what? It doesn't, as long as it doesn't affect others, I don't sin things, sin in a way that affects um, other Christians in their walk. 
So I just live my own life. As long as I come to church, then I disappear. Now, the reason why we should mourn for our sins is because our sins will affect our usefulness to God. When we only mourn for our own sins, we can look at those that sin around us, whether it's believers backsliding, living in sin, or unbelievers loving the world so much they don't care about their souls. When we just mourn for our own sins, we don't care about that. We don't care about the world. The reason why God saved us is that we would be useful to Him. And sin is what makes us not useful to God on earth. That is why the Christian must mourn for sins, personal sins. Because God, this will make me useless to you. Then what's the purpose of me living on earth? Right? It's far bigger than that. You read the Old Testament prophets. They mourn over the sins of the nation. Not just the nations, but the nations. They mourn over the sins of um, God's people who have, who have gone astray. They mourn for this. They weep over this. Why? Why? That is, that is what God calls us to. The true believer who understands his purpose on earth will mourn for all this. We are called to be lights to the world. If we have sin in our life, we will not be lights to the world. All right, so I hope that you remember why the Christian must mourn. We mourn because if we don't, then we don't repent. If we don't repent, then we are useless to God. Then our purpose on earth is, is useless. And we won't care about others. All right? So mourning is not just about us. It's also about being concerned, so concerned about the sins of my brother, my sister, my children, my family, my spouse, so concerned about them that I would mourn over my own sins so that I will get myself right with God so that God will use me to reach my child, my spouse, my relatives, my colleagues at work because I mourn over their sins. All right? So please remember that. I hope because we need to move now to... Now, tonight's title is The Comfort of All Comforts. The Comfort of All Comforts. Now you ask, how does mourning beyond our own sins bring comfort? Because God's promise is, blessed are they that mourn, right? For they shall be comforted. How, how is it that when we mourn for, well, the unbelie unbelievers' um, sins, mourn for the um, sins of believers. Now, what comfort does it bring? What comfort does it bring? Well, I want to point us to three areas, which to me, in scriptures, jumps out as us, at us as truly the greatest comfort of all comforts, when we mourn for the sins of others and the world. Well, the first one is this what we've just talked about. The comfort of knowing that God will use us. That is the first comfort. Why is it the comfort of all comforts? Let me ask you. Why do you think it's the comfort of all comforts? Now, if mourning for our sins is simply that God will forgive me, not chastise me, not deal with me, as long as that is settled, I am happy in life. Mourning, if mourning is simply mourning for my own sins and then, well, I am right with God and I'm living a life that is pleasing to God. Now, let me ask you, if that is the only purpose, then why don't God just 
take us home now. Do you get the point? If it is just to cleanse, to, to, to be clean, if it is just to be pleasing to God, if God take us home now, we, are, we will be perfect, not just, not just holy on earth. We will be perfect. We will please Him in a perfect way, not like now. So if mourning over sins is simply to get myself right with God, then God may as well take us home now. The reason why we are still on earth is because God saved us to make use of us as His witnesses on earth, as to bring men and women to know Him and to show forth His glory. That is why we are here. That is why we mourn. We mourn because, Lord, if I don't get right with You, then my purpose on earth is... Is, is not fulfilled. I'm living in sin and when you don't use me, I'm useless. No point saving me. So I hope this is clear to us. Now when you look at the Apostle Paul's life, he is one example and we know very clearly the greatest among the prophets, uh, among the apostles, most used to write the most New Testament books, to plant the most churches, to, um, to go far and wide, to do the most for the Lord. Paul's life truly fulfilled the reason why God saved anyone. But I want you to notice Paul's heart. He was not someone that always just moaned for his own sins. He was someone that was always weeping for the church, weeping for believers. If you don't believe me, turn to Acts chapter 20. We need to look at a few passages tonight, right? It's topical, so we need to build our understanding based on scriptures. Acts chapter 20. Now, what is the Apostle Paul like when he comes to mourning over the sins of the church? Apostle, uh, Acts chapter 20. Now, let's read verses 31 and 32 together. Acts 20 verses 31 to 32. Reading. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn every one night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. So, look at Paul. He is someone that says, that can openly say, and they can testify, I warn you for these three years, every, everyone, day and night, with tears. He was someone that mourned Mourn over the temptations that they face, whether it's doctrinal, whether it's temptation of loving the world. He mourned. He wept. Whenever he thought about what the church will be when he's not in their midst, his heart would break to the very thought of the struggles that have and some may fall. His heart would break and he would warn them, plead with them with tears, day and night, not to fall into sin, not to give into temptation, not to give into false doctrines. Don't love these things. Don't love this world. He wept. He mourned for others. He had a deep concern for the church and his, and his believers. What was his concern? That they will be built up. That they will have inheritance among them that are sanctified. That was his heart. Now when someone mourns for the sins of the church and the believers, it is a true sign that he cares. He cares for God's kingdom, he cares, he cares for the sheep which God died for. Would God not use such a person? His heart was genuine. 
He wanted always to keep his life pure because his deep concern was actually the church and, and, the, and the believers. With such a heart, it is little wonder that God used him so mightily on earth. Why is it the comfort of comforts? Because we, when we live lives like that, mourning for our sins, repenting, and with a deep concern for the church and others, God will use you. And then you are truly fulfilling your purpose on earth. Now, I'll read to you 2 Corinthians. You and you can just copy it down. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. What was the heart of Paul? He says, Besides, beside those things which are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. He described all his persecution, his beatings, his injuries, his sufferings, his lackings, his um, often in cold, in fasting, in lacks. But he say, besides all these things that come from outside upon me, there are those things, the care of all the churches inside him. How he often worry about them, the care of all these, all these churches. Now, this is the heart of someone who has a deep, deep concern. That is why he would weep for the church. We sing the hymn for her, who is her, the church. For her, my tears would fall. This is the life of the Apostle Paul. Now, Christian, do we have such a concern since we learned about all this? Because even to ask you, do you remember why we mourn over sins? Very few remember. Why? Why do I mourn over sins? My sins? Because if I'm not right with God, I mourn because I am useless. And all these brethren of mine, they are backsliding. And all these, all these, the children in my home, my home itself, we are going haywire. I moan because I see all these things happening because of the sin in me that I would not repent of. That is why I moan. I moan because of that. Now, Christian, I hope you remember this. We study the Beatitudes because that is what the Christian life is supposed to be. That is the purpose of the Christian life. So from now onwards, I hope you remember why you mourn. Paul naturally wept for the church because the care of the church was always in his heart. This is every believer's life. The beatitude was not just for the apostles. The beatitude was not just for the, um, the full-time workers. The beatitudes were spoken to all, even unbelievers, to hear that when they become believers, they will know how to become believers, and then when they are believers, they know what believers are supposed to be. So, do you have such a heart? Now, when you have such a heart, a deep concern and love for the kingdom of God, His church, His people, and you mourn, you mourn like Paul for God's work, God will use you. I mean, even at home, right? If, just say if you're dying, you've got to write a will. Who, do, who would you bequeath your belongings to? Who? You will know it's the one that truly cares for the family, who truly cares for, for the well-being of everyone in the family. That is the one, say, this is the one who, who I will use to continue my legacy, right? It's no-brainer. Little wonder, like I say, when Paul... When you read Paul's heart, God will use him so much. Now, 
But I want to say this, mourning is not simply just, oh, why is this person like that? Oh, why is the church like that? Oh, what is happening to the church? And then just keep, keep mourning and mourning over with the state of things. No. When Paul mourned, one thing that he does, what do you think mourning is about? Ellen, when Paul mourned and when we mourn, what should we be doing? Nathan, praying, praying, praying. Mourning is not, mourning for the sins of others, mourning for the kingdom is not just complaining and seeing all the troubles. Paul's characteristic was always, he's always praying for the church. Now remember when we studied mourning, there is two kinds of mourning, one that leads to death, one that leads to comfort. Judas had the one that led to death. He did not turn to God. He just mourned over what he did. A mourning that leads to death. But that's a godly mourning that leads to life. So Paul prayed very often. For example, I read to you 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 to 12. Wherefore, we also we pray always for you. Read his epistles. He constantly talks about how he prayed for the churches, how he prayed for them always. It's a natural thing. When he, he worry, he carry the cares, he mourn, the natural thing, instinct is he's driven to pray. So Christian, how do I know that I, I am mourning for others? Well, it's reflected in your prayer. Driven to pray. Driven to pray, to cry to God. Now, I think one of the greatest comfort is this. You know, very often you look at your child, you look at others, you look at things that are happening in Christianity. You can just keep mourning, but when you pray, when you pray and you see God begin to answer, to help, to deal with the situation, whether it's someone's life, whether it's the church, whether it's problems in Christianity, you see God begin to work, right? The mourning, the comfort that comes. I'm not saying that you don't do anything, right? But prayer, mourning leads us to pray. When you begin to say, things are not changing, my child, my spouse, my home, myself, what do you do? Mourn? Yes. What else? Let that mourning drive you to pray. Sometimes you say, that this, 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 this situation or this backsliding, just I don't know what to do anymore. Well, make sure that your life is, is in obedience to God, then you pray. Very often we say, oh, um, we've, um, well, I'm very encouraged by the church camp. God says, I pray, then God will answer. But I hope you don't miss the point if we regard iniquity in our heart. As long as we don't mourn over our own sins first and deal with them, you can pray till the cows come home. God says, I will not answer. All right? So here. Um, now, another thing is this. You will see even God would move the Apostle Paul to use a particular person because this person had the same spirit of concern that, that, had, that would carry the burden in his heart, often mourning and worrying about the church. Who is this person? Sing Yuan. You got my question? Who is this person that, that, that God would even move for the Apostle Paul because it's a person that has the same heart as him, concerned about the church. Very good. T. 
Timothy, Timothy, I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. You see, when our hearts are like that, God will use us. What a great comfort. God, will you use me? How will I know if you use me? Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Now let's read verses 19 to 23 together. 19 to 23. Reading. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Christ Jesus. But ye know him, the, know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father he hath served with me in the gospel. Note verse 19. What was Paul's comfort? What was Paul's comfort? That his, sins, his own sins are forgiven? No. Was the state, the state of the Christian, whether they are walking close to the Lord. You see, he's someone who mourns, who, who mourns, who worries, who prays. That is what brings him comfort, to know that the Christians are walking right with God. Now, and he says there is a person who is like him, like-minded. Look at verse 20, like-minded in this area. Naturally care, not just care, but naturally care. Someone who, who carries the burden of the church in his heart. Naturally care for your state. And he say, and notice what he said, but I trust the Lord Jesus Christ to send Timotheus. He also knew that with a mind like Timothy, with a heart like Timothy that is like his own, he felt that God would send Timotheus to the churches because that is the man that God would use because he said there are very few like him in the ministry. I hope each one of us will search our own hearts. It's very sad. It's very sad when, when pastors, when full-time workers, when Christians say, there is very few, but everyone seek their own. You see, it is, well, I, can, I mourn for my own sins. I'm just seeking my own comfort, my own uh, restoration with God. Everyone seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus, not of things of Jesus Christ, our own. Very few have a burden in their heart, let alone mourn for the church. But Timothy says, this man, this man, I trust the Lord Jesus to send him to you. See, when you see in the Gospels, uh, in, the, in the Word of God, those that have such a heart, a heart that carries the burden who worries, day and night. I know you're a working person. You say, Pastor, I have no time to worry. I've got my own family to worry about. Let me ask you this. When your child is wayward, when your spouse is wayward, when your family, if you're single, your parents are not safe or they're or they safe, but they are wayward, or your siblings are wayward. Let me ask you, you may be working. Do you say, I got no time to worry about their, their, their spiritual state? You don't. You naturally still worry. You naturally still do all you can. Call them, reach out to them, seek them out, pray for them. It's natural, isn't it? But now we've got to learn to extend this to the kingdom of God. When you do, I think you can, like I would be very ready to say, I trust the Lord Jesus to send, and then you put your name there. I trust the Lord Jesus will use you. See, the comfort of all comforts, 
When we mourn for our own, mourn for our own sins, repent, and then God uses us, and we are worried about the work of God, the spiritual state of others, Christianity, and then God uses us. Let me ask you, is that not the comfort of comforts, that you know that you are still alive on this earth for a purpose and God is using you? I repeat, if mourning is just simply for us to get right with God and to please God, God would take us home now. After you're saved, just take you home. Why leave us on earth? Why? That we may fulfill our purpose. But how can we fulfill our purpose? Unless we mourn for our own sins and repent, unless we have a concern for the church, for the kingdom's work, right? So the mourn, that is the first one, that God would use us when we are people that truly mourn for the sins of believers, unbelievers, there's a concern for the kingdom. God will use you. Now, this would mean, of course, when you meet God, there will be no regrets. It will definitely be a resounding well done. Isn't that the comfort of all comforts? When you and I lie on our deathbed, I think I mentioned that before, the Apostle Paul, towards the end of his life, he said, I fought a good fight, I've run the race. He said, I look forward to see my Saviour. I have no regrets. Well, can we say that? Now, the second comfort of all comforts. Now, that is, we will be able to live, I'll put it this way, when we mourn, when we mourn over the sins of others, over the sins of the world, over the sins that, that are causing Christians um, to backslide over all this, when we mourn over these things, now, we would be able to live on earth like we would live in heaven before God. I say again, it will be a great comfort when we mourn. We are people that mourn over um, sins beyond us. We will be people that would live on earth like we would be living before God in heaven in terms of our um, holiness. How do we know that? Now we come back to the Apostle Paul. You know the Apostle Paul. He weeps over the church. He's concerned over the work he, concerned, he's, he has a deep and genuine and sincere love and care for the souls of believers, others around them. Not like us. Come to church, know as little people as possible, stick the people they were like. We don't really care about, about newcomers. We don't care about others. But we know Paul's heart. And then, now what is Paul's famous life? Well, many of us would like to take this and say, it's my life verse. Philippians 3, 7 to 8. You don't need to turn there. It's well known. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and, all, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. This was Paul's life on earth. Paul's life on earth was this. Anything that he, that he gains, his degrees, his religious education, his fame, anything, even after he's saved, the work that he's done, anything that he seemed to have gained, he said, I count them but dung. They are nothing compared to, well, Christ, to win Christ. They are nothing. Now, that is a life that we all desire, don't we? I think we will, we will truly have the comfort of all comforts if we can say from the bottom of our hearts, really, as a teenager, all right, those in school, I can get all the degrees, I can get the best job, I can get the biggest um, 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 title in the workplace, I can have the nicest house. All these things are but dung to me. 
I think that is the most comforting life on earth. Why? Why do I say that? Do you realize that when you mourn over the sins that cause other Christians to backslide, when you mourn over the sins that cause others to be tempted and unbelievers to love the world and don't care about our souls, when you look at those things and you mourn over those things, do you know what it does to your own heart? It changes your whole view about these things. Why can Paul view these things and say, they are dung? Why? Because he sees many of these things are the very things that cause Christians to backslide, that cause Christians to love the world, to love the things of the world. They may be, they be, they may, may be non-sinful things, but he knows all these can be great temptations to the believers. And when he always worry about the church, Worry about their, their love for the Savior. Worry about them being built up for Christ. When he keeps worrying about that, anything, then anything of this world becomes dung to him. As long as it's a temptation that can cause my brother and my sisters to fall, those things are so, are so, are so unnecessary. So Christian, when you and I, instead of mourning, over these things, the things that the world pursues, singles, the world pursues, well, big jobs, big salary, big titles, the world pursues holidays, eating, right, the Epicurean life, they pursue all these things. When you look at these things, and instead of feeling grief that, you know, because of these things, they may not in by themselves be sinful, because of these things, my colleague is just not interested in the gospel. These things cause my parents money, right? Causes my parents, or pride causes my parents not to bother about the gospel. I look at these things and I mourn. I mourn. They are the things that that caused my brothers and sisters in Christ to love the world. Parents, you see that as well. But when you see these things and say, wow, I want that as well. If only I can have that kind of life. My parents, if only we can have that kind of house, that kind of car, that kind of lifestyle, like our other our relatives, other Christians. Wow. Instead of looking at them and saying, many of these things are so dangerous. They can cause, and they have caused many Christians to love the world. Paul says all these things are done to him. Now, Christians, do you admire the pursuit of pleasure, power, and positions of the worldling? Or do you look at these things and say, there are things that truly deceives the soul. There are things that cause my brothers and sisters in Christ to love the world. Or do you look at them and say, I want these things, instead of, Instead of mourning that these things can be so great a temptation, instead of mourning, you say, I want these things as well. Then you and I will not have the life of the Apostle Paul. All these things, I count them but lost on earth. My life on earth is so, is so free from these things. Just like, just like in heaven. Right? He's freed from this, all, this, all these things that, that, tempts, that tempts him to, to want them. How wonderful, how, how, what a blessing. Now, I want you to read also. Please turn to Psalm 73. In the Old Testament, the psalmist experienced the same thing. The psalmist experienced the same thing. Psalm 73. That's a long psalm, all right? 
Let's read from 12 to 22. I want you to read and concentrate. Psalm 73, 12 to 22. Reading. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, Behold, I shall offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went to the sanctuary of God, then I understood I their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream, when one waketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I, and ignorant. I was as a beast before you, before thee. You see, the psalmist, he admired the people who had riches, who had power. They seemed to get away with everything. They said, I, I try to obey God. It seems like it's pointless, and they oppress me. You see, until he went to the house of God, then he understood their end. Now, now, the psalmist is not saying, good, eventually they will die. and He's not vindictive and cursing them. But he said, I finally saw through all this. Saw through what? That their life is so brief. And all of a sudden they can die. And all of a sudden they can stand before the judgment throne. All these things are so temporal, but... They are, they are so sucked into it. And I almost, myself, was so foolish to have sucked, been, been tempted by them and look at them with admiration, with envy. Then he said, thus my heart was grieved. He began to mourn. Thus my heart was grieved. And I was pricked in my reins. How foolish I am. I was like an animal before you. You see, he looked at all these things and he realized they are nothing. They are the things that cause people to go to hell. He said, and he, he began to mourn. Now, what am I saying? Christians, if you look at the things of the world, parents, you look at, the, at the, the things of the world for your child, you will never be contented. There's no comfort. There's only discontentment. There's always, maybe teens, you look at someone in school, so popular, so clever, such good results, so many friends, so, have so many um, 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 gifts, abilities, play so many instruments, play so many games and all that. You look at them and you envy them, teens, do you? Be careful. That was the psalmist. Now, there will always someone that will eventually be more popular. Or maybe you are the one who's popular. You are the one who is very admired now. There is always someone that will come along that will be more popular than you eventually. Then how are you going to feel? Because that is what you found comfort in. You'll be grieved. But when you look at these things and say they are nothing, it's different. Parents, do you keep envying other children, other families, or another, another ECA, another skill set, another this, another that? There's no end to another. There is just grief in the end. But when you look at all these things, if it's needed, it's needed. There is, there is there's none, there's, then forget it. It's not the constant pursuit of it. Constantly pushing your child to be this and that. 
because there's always another ECA. There's always another, another um, sports. There's always another whatever it is, instrument, whatever it is. There's always another. Instead of looking at these things and you mourn, these are the things that very often cause children to, dis, to, to love them so much instead of God. They distract them. You mourn, you worry about it, or you want them for your child. Right? I'm just giving you some example. And then, so the second comfort of all comforts is this. When you look at the things of this world and you look at them with, with a heart that is heavy, these are the things that distract other believers. These are the things that cause my loved ones or other unbelievers to, to not want to bother about the gospel. You look at these things and your heart is grieved, is heavy. You will, not, you will be able to be like the Apostle Paul. I count all these things but dung. You will live a life on earth exactly how, as how God wants you to live on earth. That is the comfort. I say again, the great comfort is, the comfort of comforts is when you mourn over the sins of this world is you will live a life on earth that is exactly how God wants you to live. So freed from these things. Isn't that the greatest comfort of comfort? Then the last one, the last one, right quickly, the last one, the comfort of doing God's will. The comfort of doing God's will. Now, what do I mean by that? Now, remember we looked at Luke 19, all right? Luke 19, where Christ um, said that, well, and in verse 41, and when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. Christ looked at the city and he wept over it. We studied that. Now, his heart looked at them and said, maybe you should turn there, Luke 19, all right? Please turn there, Luke 19. It's the last passage we'll turn to, Luke 19. Luke 19. Right? Let's read verse 41 and 44. Verse 41 and 44 together. 41. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. Verse 44. And say, And shall lay thee even to the ground, and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in, one, in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Now, what was Christ saying? He said, you know, your enemies will come and they will raise you to the ground. He looked at them and he wept. Now, and he says, look at verse 44. Because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Christ looked at them and he wept. Now, don't think that, well, when we weep over the souls of others, then they will get saved. They will all get saved. Christ wept and he knew many of them will not be saved. But Christ's comfort was that he was here to do the Father's will. When he say, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation, many of them just were ignorant, don't care, and many of them do not want to be saved. You don't even know that God is visiting you. Now, the point is this, Christians. Don't have the concept that when I mourn over this and mourn over that, then people will definitely be safe and people will respond. But when people don't, when people don't, Christ, he, yes, Christ wept over them. But when they did not respond, 
Christ knew that many would not be saved. But Christ simply kept doing the will of the Father. He didn't understand, what's the point? Many of these will not be saved. I may as well just go back to heaven now. Christ knew, himself knew, not all will be saved. But he continued to do the will of the Father. Now, when, when we mourn over the sins of others and the situation, sometimes they may not turn out the way we expect it to be. It could be that your parents may not be an elect, your loved ones may not be an elect, and they will, an, an election, salvation, is God's prerogative. But what is the comfort when they die without Christ? The comfort is this. Like Christ, Christ, he wept over them. But he knew that some would not be saved. But he continued to minister to them. So you and I, we do not know. What's the comfort of comfort when one day if our loved ones die without Christ? The comfort of comfort is, I, con- I, 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 like Christ, just simply continue to do the Father's will. That is all. Minister to them. Reach out to them. That is, I have done what God wants me to do. And that is all. The comfort of all comforts. Some people, they read this verse and they say, Oh, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. They, be, they, they think that if I, if I weep and cry over the soul of my loved ones, they will all be saved one day. That is not the case. Christ wept, but not all were saved. But he said, Thou knewest not the time of visitation, of thy visitation. Christ continued to visit them. Christ continued to do the Father's will. Three comforts of comfort in scriptures. When we mourn over the sins of not just ourselves, but of others. Number one, the comfort that we will, at the, um, at the end of all things, we will know that God will use us. God will use us because we have a genuine care. We weep. We, care, we naturally care for God's people, God's kingdom. God will use you. Number two, the comfort of knowing that if I, if I have a disdain, if I, I mourn over these this things of the world, I will, I will be freed from them. I will live exactly as how God wants me to live on earth. And the third comfort is as long as you and I well, as we mourn, as we, as we weep over the sins of those around us, we do our best. We do our part. That is all that matters. When we meet God, that is what God expects us to have done. This, com- this finishes this beatitude. Please pray for the next. But I pray that this will truly change all of us. Don't just be a Christian that live for yourself, mourn for your own sins, and that is all. This beatitude is far bigger than that. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we pray, O God, that we will not have a narrow view of this beatitude and just be concerned about mourning for our own sins. For that is just the beginning that is needed that we may mourn beyond us for the sins of the unbelievers and the backslided Christians. O Lord, make use of us O Lord, make us Christians that would truly begin to experience and know what it means to mourn beyond ourselves. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.